Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is getting ready for an important gathering this weekend for the equinox and Athena's birthday. Our special guest this evening is Nicole Collard, whom we've had the pleasure of meeting at a Starseed Quest. After experiencing excruciating pain and the subpar existence of being bedridden for a whole year, Nicole tried energy work and was better with three treatments in two weeks' time. She studied energy work in every form voraciously and in-depth ever after. Her new levels of embodiment, as well as work with clients, presented further spiritual and emotional work to experience. She focused solely on healing, invested in extensive trainings, and showed up for all that needed intense loving, compassion, and nurturing. She's undergone a drastic letting go, allowing nothing that has presented itself as incompatible with her full health and well-being which entailed doing a lot of what she said she'd never do, going into the caves that she's feared the most to reclaim her most precious treasures, wholeness, peace, and satisfaction with life. She now funnels her passionate nurturing, transformative and aligning energy to the goddesses who are ready to remember themselves on a profoundly sovereign level, process their empathic emotions, unfurl their creatrix potential. You can check out her website at nicole-collard.com. And Nicole is N-I-C-O-L-E hyphen collard, C-O-L-L-A-R-D.com. Or you can email her at nicole at nicolecollard.com. And she'll send you some exquisite goodies by email. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. And remember, if you'd like to show your support for our show, please just click follow on our show page. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. Lavendar is now retired from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestational power. You can find out when that happens exactly, Um, by requesting your solar return timing. And if you order that a week or two before your birthday, that would be fine. If you want a reading of that chart, you need to order it about two months before your birthday. So first up tonight, let me switch screens here. It's Anastasia with her wonderfully fascinating Starseed News. Well, good evening, Ariel. How are you this evening? It's great to be with you. It's March 14th, and it's 
coming along into the springtime. On this day, 14th of March, 1879, Albert Einstein, who was one of the most creative intellects in human history, known for his groundbreaking theories of relativity, was born in Germany. And so when is the first day of spring this year anyway? Well, Regardless of what the weather is doing outside, and it's very cold where I am right now, spring equinox will mark the official start of the spring season. And the first day of spring this year is Monday, March 20th at 5.24 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, this is marked by the arrival of the vernal equinox, otherwise known as the first point of Aries. Traditionally, we celebrate the first day of spring on March 21st. But maybe some of you have noticed that these dates get changed up these days. Well, astronomers now tell us that the spring season starts on March 20th in all time zones in North America. In 2020, spring fell on March 19th. It was the earliest spring day in 124 years. What does vernal mean? Well, vernal translates to new and fresh. And equinox is derived from the Latin term equius, meaning equal, and nox, meaning night. So what's that mean? Well, essentially the hours of daylight, the period of time each day between sunrise and sunset, have been growing slightly longer each day since the winter solstice in December, which is the shortest day of the year. The vernal equinox marks the turning point when daylight begins to win out over darkness. Now, why does the first day of spring change? Well, there are a couple of reasons why seasonal dates can vary from year to year. The first one is that a year is not an even number of days, and neither are the seasons. Earth's elliptical orbit is changing its orientation, which causes the axis to constantly point in a different direction, and that's called precession. Since the seasons are defined as a beginning at strict 90-degree intervals, these positional changes affect the time the Earth reaches 90-degree locations in its orbit around the Sun. The pull of gravity from the other planets also affects the location of Earth in its orbit. Well, is spring getting shorter? Uh, Guess what? Spring is currently being reduced by approximately one minute per year and winter by about one-half minute per year. Summer is gaining the minute lost from spring and autumn is gaining the half minute lost from winter. The current seasonal lengths for the Northern Hemisphere are... Summer has 93.64 days, autumn 89.83 days, winter 88.99 days, and spring a glorious 92.77 days. So, as you can see, the warm seasons of spring and summer combined are 7.584 days longer. (laughs) I don't expect you to figure (laughs) that out when I'm talking. Are longer than the colder seasons, fall and winter. So it's good news for warm weather mires and people who love sunshine. So the warm days, the sunny days, beat out over the dark, cold days. I'm all for that. So remember, spring, Monday, the 20th. Well, a dog has saved a baby from a house fire in Detroit, and the family's uh, struggling to recover. And uh, take this for what you will. I had to raise an eyebrow, but it is a rescue story, so I'm sharing it with you. It includes a dog, so how can we not cover it? When a (laughs) one-year-old baby was stuck in a house fire, the family dog didn't leave her side until she was rescued. They both made it out safely, but their family did lose everything in a fire that broke out a couple weeks ago in a a house in Detroit. 
uh, thanks to a few hundred donated dollars, they've opened a GoFundMe, the baby, the dog, and the rest of the family, all except the cat, are staying a couple of nights in a motel after living in their van since the blaze. Well, here's the thing. A cigarette lighter started the whole thing. This mother of four said that the fire started in the unit below them where another family lives. One of the children in that unit was playing with a lighter in the bedroom, and they lit up a mattress. The downstairs tenants came running up to alert everybody, but black smoke had already filled the apartments. The fire spread upstairs and over to the house next door. The one-year-old daughter was still stuck in a playpen inside the house when firefighters came in. The family dog, called Blue, refused to leave the house and alerted the rescuers to where the baby could be found. Now, Blue is a three-year-old doggy, a rescue dog the mother had for two years. She said the dog is very protective over all of us. He also loves his best friend, Smokey, the family cat. Well, this is kind of a sad part. Smokey could not be brought to the hotel due to a lack of room. So he's still wandering around the damaged house, and the mom still checks on him and takes the dog over to play with him. I wish them all the best that they find a home for the whole family and their kitty, too. In the meantime, I can't imagine giving a one-year-old child a cigarette lighter. Yikes. Yeah. Well, here's, here is a wonderful story for us senior citizens anyway. It's very inspiring. At 102 years old, there is a woman who leads fitness classes four days a week. Yep, about a dozen women have gathered for their fitness class as their instructor guides them through the moves. She'll holler backstroke. She directs from her chair. There's videos of this. It's cute as it can be. She raises her arms high as the women of this senior living center in Omaha, Nebraska, quickly follow her with their arm rotations. Her name's Bailey. She's 102. She lives in the facility's independent living quarters. She's been teaching the class four times a week in the hallway of the second floor for three years, and she has no desire to slow down. She says, when I get old, I'll quit. She's been in the Elk Ridge Retirement Home for about 14 years. Uh, some of her regular students have arthritis that limits their movements, but they can do the stretching exercises. And uh, the lady herself uses a walker. She says her friends, her students, say she's a really tough coach. She said they teach me, uh, they tease me and tell me that I'm mean because when I do exercises, I want them to do it right and use their muscles. But... She's not too mean. People wouldn't keep showing up if they weren't in <laughs> Yeah. She started the exercise classes in 2020 when she was 99 years old. She said she's not intimidated by the younger ages of the other senior residents around her. She said, I really feel that if you don't keep your mind and body busy, then why are you here? Well, the residents have enjoyed that so much they've never stopped and they've developed strong bonds of friendship among the women. She said, we've all gotten pretty close to each other. In addition to teaching exercise classes, she treats her attendees to baked goods after session, especially they have birthday parties. She said, at that age, all birthdays are a big deal. People say she's a very nice neighbor, and she's very talented. Well, she says that her longevity and resilience come from a life of some hardship, she was born in 1921 in Wyoming. She grew up during the Great Depression. She was one of five children, and her mother gave her away to another family when she was three. She grew up as an only child with a father 
who worked on a railroad. She also volunteered at a hospital for more than 30 years. She says she isn't sure what the formula is for her longevity. She says eating a healthy diet and staying active has played a significant part. She said, I don't believe in just sitting and watching TV. But age does have its privileges. She said, I'm pretty good at naps at this point. (laughs) Uh, Well, scientists have set out a way to find a way to suck planet-eating carbon pollution from the air. Turn it into sodium bicarbonate. That's right. That's baking soda. And then to store it in the oceans. And this is according to a new research paper. Take carbon pollution from the atmosphere, turn it into baking soda, and store it in the oceans. The technique could, uh, say, be up to three times more efficient than current carbon capture technology. This was published in the journal Science Advances. They say tackling the climate crisis means drastically reducing the burning of fossil fuels. They say because humans have already pumped so much of this pollution into the atmosphere, we are unable to likely uh, be able to successfully reduce emissions in the near term. They say we also have to remove it from the air. Hmm, atmosphere, air, I'm not sure I know the difference. Anyway, I'll go on with the story. They tell us that nature will do this by itself. Forests and oceans, for example, are carbon sinks. They suck up the carbon, but not fast enough to keep pace with the amounts humans are producing. So we're turning to technology. But you know there are other very uh, awakened and um, uh, progressive people who don't suggest technology. They suggest that we plant, each one of us, plants one tree a year for the next seven years. And if every human being planted just one tree a year for the next seven years, that would take care of our carbon emissions. So I'm inserting that. That's a different point of view. It doesn't have anything to do with the article. But I think it would be nice if we would start planting trees and not just rely everything on technology. Anyway, they say that um, this is a significant hurdle coming up with this uh, new method. Um, They say even current carbon capture, the biggest facilities can only remove relatively small amounts, and it costs several hundred dollars per ton of carbon. So there is one of these facilities right now that's in operation, uh, turning it into baking soda, and it captures up to 4,000 tons of carbon dioxide a year. So they said that's enough carbon pollution that's produced by, can you believe this, only 800 cars a year. Just a small 800 cars produces 4,000 tons of carbon dioxide and takes an entire facility to remove that much. So you see what a really big problem this is. And um, let's all plant a tree, one tree per person per year, next seven years. And um, make sure it's a tree that is native to your area. Don't plant the wrong tree. Plant the tree that's native to your area. Do some research. Find out what kinds of trees are best, you know, survive best in your area. If you're in a drought area, plant one that's good with droughts and so on. And uh, that is going to be a great uh, a great healing action to take for the planet. Be good. Very good. If in a, a lot of us don't have land to plant trees on, but, you know, there's always somebody that might be willing to have you plant a tree. Maybe the city will let you plant the tree in the median, or maybe you could just go out in the woods somewhere and stick one in the ground. Well, I don't know if you guys have heard of something called plogging. I had not, not until the news today. Um, in case you haven't heard, plogging combines physical exercise 
while cleaning up your town and environment. Litter pickup while you jog. I don't, that's got to be a task. <clears throat> Grabbing <laughs> the garbage as you run. Uh, this started in Sweden. Plogging became a portmanteau of the Swedish, Swedish phrase, plucka up, meaning pick up, and jogging. And the craze apparently, according to this article, has caught on around the world. There are many cities that celebrate Earth and Earth Day by hosting public plogging events. They do it in Boise, Idaho. They plog in Burlington, Vermont. And they plog in Janestown, Wisconsin. Now, if you like to jog and you like to pick up litter, you're an official plogger. You can start a plogging festival in your town. Think about it. Everybody loves it. Well, there is an English woman who has found her calling. Don't we all want to find our calling? Well, she did it by recycling more than 2,000 pounds of trash after setting up a drop-off point in her garden shed so that people could leave items that garbage men don't collect. Wow. I mean, I... Wow. Wow. Whatever turns your crank, but bless her heart. Her name is Liz. She built on her, with her own two hands, a DIY recycling center following the birth of her third child when she learned she couldn't recycle his baby food pouches. Along with the pouches, certain food packaging and even toothbrushes have been excluded from her town's curbside recycling service. So this inspired her to take action, and she set up a drop-off point at the end of her driveway and encouraged the public to leave their mixed recycled items. She must love hard work. And since starting her green project four years ago, she has managed by her own two hands to recycle 2,600 pounds of trash. <clears throat> Excuse me split between 30 different categories of waste that's not been taken by trash collection. And in the process, she's raised thousands of dollars for her local community. Wow. She said, our family has always done what we can, where we can as a household, to help reduce our carbon footprint and recycle as much as possible. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I have a little sinus trouble going on. It's the weather change. Every month, she sends off the trash in vacuum-packed bags, that's an expense to her, I'm sure, to a firm that shreds it into small plastic pellets to be made into other items, such as watering cans and benches. And the weight of the junk is then converted into points for money, which can be paid out twice a year to a charity or sports organization of her, of her choice. Isn't that something? Yeah. She has donated money to the local charities of all kinds. Um, and she said commonly deposited areas in her, uh, excuse me, commonly deposited trash in her shed are things like bread wax wraps, home hygiene packaging, plastic bread wrappers, cheese bags, pens, rubber gloves, printer ink, and used postage stamps. <laughs> she said we take Pringles tubes too because these items have metal and plastic, so they really can't be put in your curbside bin. She said, I definitely think I've helped to raise awareness to my children about the need to recycle. She also started a local uh, media group for her little hub, and now they have more than 1,000 members. Well, you know, I mention this to you because it's just incredible what one person can do. And people are, I read about these wonderful people who do these kinds of things. One person affecting thousands of other people. This is spreading so I challenge Starseed, find something you love to do, and make a thing out of it. 
because we really can make a big difference. I think too many times we rely on other people or the government. <clears throat> excuse me. To so- yeah. Excuse me. A bigger part. Yeah. To solve our problems, but you know, we find out the only way these things really get solved is when we read about people who are doing something themselves. You know what I mean? It's it's. I don't hear about anybody in official dumb taking care of things, but I do read in my research for the news all the wonderful human beings out there who are really know how to solve problems and they do it. Uh, well, um, if I could interject what? something on that on that sure. topic, um, yes, please just, do. Just recently, Walmart opened up a recycling bin for any kind of flexible plastic, whether it's bubble wrap or, you know, over wrap from food. So, you know, and that's that was a really good good move in the right wow. direction. So I didn't know yeah. anything about that. Is that nationwide? Well, it's on their website and um and Oh well it would both, be that. Both the Walmarts in our area They've got these huge bins. They'll take, you know, grocery bags, oh, man. any any flexible that, plastic. Really? Yeah. Flexible so, yeah, plastic. I'm, I'm washing everything and putting it in my little plastic recycling. And then when you go to Walmart, you just drop it off. Oh, bless your heart. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, does that include peanuts or not, styrofoam peanuts? Do you know? Probably um, not, huh? I, I, I don't. No, for sure. I guess we have to call our, our I, local. I know that. Yeah, um, um, you know, we have Publix grocery stores here, and they take um, food containers, like you know, stuff that that meat comes oh, yeah. on or egg cartons. Yeah. Oh, they, they do. take that kind wow. of styrofoam. Yeah, but I don't know well, about the about research. the peanuts. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that uh, I'm always vexed when I get a box or a shipment that's got peanuts in it, and all this plastic and, and bubble wrap and such as that. But that's, see, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, it just really encourages me because companies, people are becoming so conscious of it um, that retailers are starting to yield and, and contribute. So the world's going to be made better by people like us who do these kinds of things. And thanks for telling sure. me that. I, I hope that word gets passed around. I hope the star seeds spread that around. I know what I'm going to do now. I'll take my <laughs> bubble wrap and stuff to, to Walmart, including the bags. My goodness. You know, <laughs> I got groceries the other day, and I had them delivered, and they they bagged everything. Every single item was in a was in a sack, tied in triple knots. I kid you not. Inside bigger bags, which were put into other bags per item. I mean, I was horrified. I thought that you know, there's a whole planet worth of waste here for just a few items. They had probably 15 bags when two would have done it. I'm, I just scratched my head. Um, we really need to be thinking about. Each one of us doing oh, our part to yeah. get this stuff out of the way. Yeah, thank you for well, it's telling beca- us it's about becoming, that. It's becoming personal because the human caused oh, yes. chi- climate change. Um, yes. You know, yes. when you have to deal yes. with that kind of stuff, it, it, it can have motivate you to be a little more proactive. Well, so absolutely. that's all I need. To, that's you know, all I really, need to say. Well, thanks. But I just wonder how many times, as human beings, we shut ourselves down to the inconvenient. I mean, we don't want to think about it. And I've been guilty of that over years. I mean, I've done that. Um, but it gets to the point where you just have to go, wait a minute. I can't hide from this anymore. You know, this is a personal responsibility for each one of us. And, you know, my conscience won't let me cheat. Okay, so this is just about everybody waking up to that fact that, hey, you just can't hide from this. And really, it's each per, each person matters. Don't you think, Ariel? I mean, that's oh, obviously yeah. you, that's happened to you. It took me a while. I mean, I've been a good girl now for quite a while. But, I mean, in the early years... When it was more popular, it, well, I 
my community didn't have it, for one thing. But, you know, that was an opportunity for me 20 years ago to do something about that. So I myself have been guilty of just turning the other – now uh, I'm partly responsible for what's going on here, but I'm not repeating it. So it is important that we participate. I hope this little discussion you and I are having maybe inspires somebody out there to get involved. That would be good. All right. Well, there has been a loss for lawmakers in Texas who wanted to build a border wall, and it is a huge win, however, for monarch butterflies. Why? Why did the state of Texas lose and the monarch butterflies win? Well, the FDA had designated the prostate milkweed plant as an endangered species. Now, I know that made a lot of people really mad, but milkweed and the disappearance of milkweed has greatly endangered the monarchs. I'm telling you, they were on the edge of extinction a few years back. They are starting to come back. And this prostate milkweed only grows in the Texas-Mexico borderlands. So no walls are being allowed. We can deal with our immigration a different way, but no walls. This stuff has to be able to propagate and cross boundaries, which are human-made and are not in the nature. So the listing of the plant is providing crucial habitat for the butterflies. So that's going to help safeguard their migration when they head north from Mexico each spring and keep them alive and on the planet a while longer. So win for butterflies. Great. Ah, uh, boy. A boy, an eight-year-old boy, a little starseed child, lives in Arkansas, is raising money to help a hard-working Waffle House employee buy a car and find a decent apartment. Now, this boy and his family are regulars at their local Waffle House where this other man works. The boy said, eight-year-old said, he always greets us with the biggest smile. He's one of the most joyous and positive people you've ever met. Well, he and his family recently learned that this man was walking to and from work every single day and that his wife and their two daughters are living in a motel because they have black mold in their apartment. The little boy said he had to get his kids out and it set him back a lot money-wise. So the boy's family decided to create a GoFundMe to help this man get a car and find a clean rental for his family. This boy wrote on GoFundMe, he said, I hope your heart is as big as mine, all caps, and that you will help me spread kindness in the world. Any amount helps. Well, they had an initial goal of $5,000 to get this man and his family a reliable car and a safe place to live. But the online fundraiser has now accumulated more than $57,000 as of Friday morning. Oh, eight-year-old boy helping all these souls get back up on their feet. Wow. Just fills you with love and gratitude and joy. Well, according to William Makepeace Thackeray, Makepeace was his middle name, Makepeace, he said, A good laugh is is sunshine in the house. A good laugh is sunshine in the house. Well, ain't it true? Don't you love laughter laughter coming in a house? You hear it, and it's a good thing. Laughter is sunshine, so... Let us remember to laugh more and have fun and enjoy each other and spread some joy. The world can get pretty dark, but it's only a shadow, you know, so turn up the light and the shadows go away. Light cannot abide, the, you know, darkness cannot abide the light. 
Well, I need to get off of here. Not only am I hoarse and I have a plugged up nose, but my time's up. <laughs> so I'll get off my soapbox. Thank you, Mari okay. I always have a wonderful time every time we get together. Thank you so much. My love to each one of you, Starseeds. You're the best. I'll catch you in two weeks. Okay. Good job. Talk to you soon. Sure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. <clears throat> so I am going to open up your mic, uh, Nicole. Hi, Nicole Collard. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Ariel. Hi there. I'm so glad that you were you were able to get in, um, thanks to Kathy's help. <laughs> yeah, likewise. So, yeah. Um, so uh, you 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 missed the intro where I explained that Lavendar is getting ready for a, a big do this weekend. So she is not here tonight. So it's you and me. And okay. um, I want to hear. I want to hear about your your journey and um, the things that you've discovered, and how you are using that now to help others do the same thing. So okay. why don't you just kind of start off a little bit and and explain um, some of the the trials and tribulations that you found yourself facing. Okay. Um, and and first, I'd like to just start off and tell you thank you. Thank you for your work uh, and Lavendar's. When I first heard Lavendar's voice, I had a vortex for a, a crown chakra for about three weeks. <laughs> I was, was so dizzy and uh, just uh, immense downloads coming in. And um, I had to get on some silica supplements to handle that, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, I just appreciate all the work you guys do. Uh, Loads of activations from from your work, and I appreciate it. And even another time, I was living alone in the middle of nowhere in a cabin in the woods and was listening to most of the early shows at that point. And uh, so many discoveries, so many things in in my life I just thought were just normal or insignificant, and then people bring up, (laughs) <laughs> their experiences on the show, I'm like, I've had that happen. Oh, and I look back, I'm like, was that bad? You know, yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you guys have definitely uh, brought a lot of growth and self-realizations into my life, and I appreciate it. Oh, well, that's, what, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, that was like Lavendar's reason for coming to the planet in the first place. Yeah, and she's working it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So um, a lot of the, the trials and tribulations I've had have been major pivot points for me. I get fairly comfortable in my life, and it seems like it takes <laughs> some heavy-duty prodding <laughs> to get me to shift and redirect. Um, so it tends, it's usually illnesses with me, and they've just been such pivotal points. Um, it was, was mentioned in the show notes, I got really sick, and that's what led me to get into energy work. And uh, even with uh, a lot of embodiment and coaching uh, work, it took me, I had a pretty large-sized tumor in my breast, and it took me delving deep into a lot of issues um, 
until I was willing to explore them. And as soon as I started exploring in that particular case, I was led to go into sexuality work. And I studied Tantra, uh, love, sex, and relationship coaching for a year. Um, it was about a full-time job. I was doing 30 hours a week of just calming through everything. And it was something I was led to uh, with my own experiences, obviously, that the health, health stuff, and then my own clients, I was always just seeing everyone had blocks in their sexual areas and the things that we had to, to work through. So, yeah, it's been interesting as you bring up, like, tell us your trials and tribulations. It's, it's been those, right? Those have been the, the, big, the big rich mind diggers <laughs> that, that get me into what's, where, where I'm needed and, and what's, what's ready for my focus and attention. So, yeah, grateful for all that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can't imagine being, you know, bedridden for a year, uh, it, it, you kind of get to a point where you just have to have some kind of resolve. It's like, all right, this is enough. I got to get yeah. out of this. Yeah, yeah, mine really hit when my my daughter came in to talk with to me, and at that stage where I was, I was not in my body, and. I was no longer in my mind because it hurt so bad to think. <laughs> it hurt so bad to comprehend what people were saying. I was excruciating to try to formulate a thought, let alone to verbalize it. That was even worse. Oh, wow. So my daughter came in to talk to me one day, and she stood there waiting for a response. <laughs> and I wasn't letting the words come in because I didn't want to feel the pain. And while she stood there... And I'm like, she's waiting for it. And so I let it in, and I formulated it, and I expressed it. <laughs> I just made the decision right then and there. I'm like, I'm going to finish raising these kids, and I'm not going to do it for my bed. So that was, that was the big, the big um, motivation for me to go try something that, for me at the time, was very woo-woo. <laughs> now it's like nothing, right? <laughs> the more woo-woo, the better. But well, yeah, and people... Yeah, I was ready to go. People say woo-woo when it's something they don't understand, so they just they just put a label on it and, and dismiss it, and that's really uh, detrimental, uh, you know, to... Yeah, I found that's where all the fun is. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so healing is now your passion, Healing, helping others? Uh, healing's always been my focus and passion. Uh, it was always taking care of the birds or the pets that were hurt in my vicinity. And then when I went uh, into college, I was going into the medical system, but then I realized I absolutely abhorred um, puncturing people's skin. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do shots. I'm not cutting into people. I'm going somewhere else. And uh, I, I was an athlete and actually needed a lot of work just uh, handling my own rehabilitation from injuries. And so that's, I went into uh, the, the school I attended didn't have physical therapy, so I went to athletic training where I covered emergency care, personal nutrition, personal training, and long-term rehabilitation, and um, you know just 
the smart maintenance of our bodies. So I did that for over a decade and have always, I think, like most star seeds, the empathy gift is pretty uh, intense. So it's just, you know, not being able to tolerate other people being in pain. So it's always just been a huge drive to to just see how we work and how how these uh, brilliant bodies of ours interface with these with with our spirits and how we can get the best relationship uh, between the two going in our lives. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't you think that, that when there's any kind of a um, uh, a, con- a condition, um, whether it's you know physical, mental, you have to always address the the spiritual you know the the non-physical because you can't you know if your if your spirit is you know broken out of balance uh, hurting in some way there's only so much your body can do because that you understand what i'm I'm trying to ask um oh definitely yeah i I mean most people call it just holistic yeah, what I see with people's energy fields is that usually it's whatever story we tell ourselves about something tends to generate a specific amount of uh, emotional energy. And it's typically the same kind, and our neurons get used to that same type of, of it's a protein. So if we're constantly generating feelings of betrayal, our body gets uh, used to, and some could even call it addicted, to betrayal proteins because we've built up receptors for that betrayal frequency and that's what we're running on and generating and then our body shifts to reflect that and we'll have very specific injuries for betrayal show up and it becomes physical into our reality and that works the same um, whether it's our brain and what you know some people refer to as mental illness or in our bodies as physical illness it's the same thing but yeah our it's uh, it's the it's the emotions. So I work uh, a lot. Kind of my magnum opus was creating an emotional alchemy program, where people learned how to actually we we practice feeling our emotions in very titrated ways that are safe and um, significantly improving the circulation, the energy the energy circulation in our body. Because that was my my big uh, learning epiphany when I was bedridden, when my energy stopped flowing through my body, <laughs> but it does all mm. need to flow. And any places that we have those stagnant, we will actually stash um, emotions that we don't want to feel. We'll stash it in our body, and then we kind of shove it away so that that energy is no longer circulating in our body. In that case, you know, a lot of problems proliferate from there. One, that energy isn't really in our field and protected by us anymore, so it's often targeted for um, other beings and other energies to occupy. And that's a big part of our energy that's not in circulation anymore. And typically, you know, it's the part of us that had a lot of juice and was playing in the world. And so mm-hmm. anytime we start segmenting parts of ourselves off and out of circulation, we're just not as alive Life isn't as fun, and and in our energetic field, it'll look like there's just kind of like a funnel going to that area because it's just not really protected by the whole field. Um, normally, it should look like a, a pumpkin, a torus field, like we're in the center of the pumpkin, but we'll get these little funnels into spots. So 
wherever you have a repetitive injury is typically where uh, there's just a funnel uh, access from the outside that your energy field isn't en encompassing any longer. So by learning how to feel these things with, with, and, you know, calming down our nervous system so that we're not in a stress response, so that it becomes safe to feel these things, we circulate them through our entire system, we access the stories that we created uh, when we, when we you know, detach from that part of us, and then we're able to just feel instead of, you know, cut off and create all these workarounds to not feel. Um, I really can't think of a single addiction that isn't caused by not wanting to feel something and how much energy and money and attention and focus goes into our addictions or trying to avoid feeling something we don't want to feel. It's so much, so much work. And so when we bring those things back in to oneness and community with ourselves, yeah, so much energy is now unleashed and circulating through us and funneling towards what we're here to do, our mission, our purpose, and, and we, we're more in, we're more in our body, which is where all our power is and, and where we really get traction uh, by being here is when we're all in, when we have the most say, <laughs> taking up all our space. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for us, especially, you know, starseeds come here and they're highly sensitive. We're, we're highly sensitive. We're empathic. We're open energetically, big-hearted. And, um, you know, it's really common, like, you know, I've heard the term letter people, but anyone with ASD or there's seven types of ADHD, um, a lot of mental illness is just because there's so much dissonance with life here. So we come in with these grand missions and these big hearts and we stick our toe in the water and it's, you know, either freezing cold or shocking us <laughs> electrically. And it's so hard to get all the way in our bodies. Um, and even when we, when we do come in and we get taken out really fast, we get, and we get hurt because we're so sensitive, because we're so big hearted. You know, we start cutting off those parts of us pretty quickly with how, um, just how rough it is on planet. And yeah. it gives us that, you know, as the, as the monarch butterflies were mentioned, it gives us that time to really develop ourselves and become, and, and it, like all adversity, um, that strength we gain from cracking ourselves out of our egg. But it's, you know, I see, I see why it happens, and it is, it is a formidable experience to become here. Um, immerse ourselves in and emerge from. And that's what I am passionate about doing is helping people in that emerging process to get all in their body, get all access to their power again, and to be so integrated. You know, there was a time, as I, as I shared, where it was just so painful to be in my body. It's painful to be in my brain. And it was when I learned how to integrate all these experiences to uh, complete the stress responses going on in my body that I was really got back all in my body. My, you know, all the health issues I had were alleviated and I, I knew it was possible. I didn't necessarily believe it was possible for me, but it was. <laughs> I've experienced it. <laughs> and I'm experiencing it, but it, Every part of our body can be pleasurable to inhabit. It can, be, it can be so good and wonderful and feel amazing. Any part of your body, you just think of it and you're like, oh, that's great.
great. Anyway, and you're no longer looking for anything outside of you to make you happy or to feel good because you have it all within and you're just with yourself. You're no longer abandoning yourself. You're no longer rejecting yourself, cutting yourself off, or judging yourself. You are just bringing all of yourself in. You're embracing. You're accepting. You're walking. You're walking with your whole self, and it's a really beautiful experience and definitely one I'm passionate about bringing to everyone. So do you, um, when you have a person that you're, that you're trying to help, um, do you kind of, I mean, would they say, okay, I'm having trouble with, you know, some organ? Does that give you an indication of, like, what's what's farther back the line that now it's manifested in that particular organ? You know, there's there's a few ways I work. And I used to just, you know, tune into people and, and take care of things. And then I found out that I was doing too much for them, uh, kind of doing their homework for them. And then, you know, they'd go back into their lives and they would just recreate the same patterns, even though, like, I may have cleared a lot of ancestral um, contracts and different things. They are still in that habit of making those choices. Mm. So what I came to realize um, was more helpful was showing people who they are and how I see them, showing them how incredible their body is. Uh, I enjoy using astrology, human design, and gene keys to really give them that that objective overview of um, just the, the delight that their physical manifestation is in this world. And human design was especially helpful to me uh, because it's the first uh, product I found or or methodology, but really vocabulary that explained what I see energetically with people. And so I love just really showing them the the grandness of who they are and then working through um, giving them as many tools uh, as is useful to them to really create the changes they want to create. And it definitely starts with showing so much compassion to themselves, really celebrating all of their survival skills that right now in their adult life are are tripping them up. (laughs) But when they Mm -hmm. made it as a kid, was absolutely brilliant with the resources they had access to. (laughs) And, you know, the the adults doing their best, but completely dysfunctional uh, for what the starseeds needed most of the time. Some people come into just amazing families and just are running, but for those who still need to get fully embodied and, you know, feel more sovereign with their body and their the life they're creating, that's, that's what I found to be the most helpful. So learning the practices, accepting, having some tools so that we can feel our feelings. I've heard it said by uh, different like, Buddhist masters that it only takes seven seconds to process a feeling, to feel it fully, but we distract ourselves so much in the seven seconds, we never actually feel the whole experience. We'll stash it away somewhere, distract ourselves on something else. And definitely we were taught to do that, but also um, it's having those tools to fill the feelings, to know how to take the story off of the, the painful story that we tell ourselves. Either we've told ourselves, we've been told and then now repeat, or that we created 
trying trying to gain some control over the circumstances and understand like oh why did my why did this person my caretaker I love so much just walk out of the room while I do not want to be here I feel so abandoned you know and we'll we'll make up a story but until we really complete that stress response that happened we'll keep bringing bringing in new cast and characters replaying it until we can find the find the logical answer so um tell me tell us what you what you mean by embodiment sovereignty and goddess work okay so embodiment as we've been discussing i, I think in our being in our body is where all of our power is when we are fully in our body we have full influence i kind of feel like it's um in our in our galactic heritage wise mission scape it's where oh you have boots on the ground you are the boots on the ground well then you can enact these these missions into play because you're there you're feeling it you know what it's like you you have a vote <laughs> you have a vote in creative power so making it doable to be in our bodies um, so important because we've we've come in we're all so sensitive we're all so powerful but we don't have any traction you know it's just like we're just trying to run on ice we don't have any traction unless we're all in our body and then we're able to use our our full power our full gifts uh, and it's just amazing you know having having the skills of the ice skates sharp ice skates <laughs> on the ice to right. be able to get across so are you so are having, you saying the the full embodiment of the higher self including the the lower self i i don't think we're capable of embodying our higher self i think it would blow our, all, of our, all of our circuits but the part of us that came here to incarnate yes that part can be fully embodied and most of us we hover most of us hover uh, when you come across someone who's fully in your their body you feel it <laughs> you, you'll feel it as they walk in the room uh, and there's there's an unmistakable presence and you will feel usually more at ease when they walk in the room because it's typically a person who's fully in their body doesn't need anything from you <laughs> so you don't feel like yeah. you're just, you're instantly at ease because like this person's not going to try to manipulate me in order to make sure they're okay <laughs> it's like they're good they're good they're yeah. happy great <laughs> i'll take some of that so yeah the, so, the body and, integration and it makes us it just makes us so sane and <laughs> with creating drama in our lives and in our bodies and it's it's just serious goodness. So um would you say that by being fully embodied your light is at maximum whereas if you're not fully embodied you, you know you kind of like have a dimmer switch <laughs> and and you're not really um um flowing um in in that chain of of energy, you know, from above out from you, so you um, yeah. you think that you have more capacity to hold all of your light. Yeah, you definitely have more capacity, and 
you're when you're embodied, you're you're definitely amplifying and enhancing your connection to the earth much more. So you're grounded, your connection to your higher self completely intact. So you're running your energy uh, very well and very smoothly in your body vehicle. And you're also very aware of your body vehicle, so you're not running it over. You're not driving it like a slave master. Uh, you're not, um, you know, you're, you're just not ignoring it. When we're out of our bodies, it's really easy to drive them too hard, to ignore them, and to not do what they need. And so it's, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> you become in this beautiful, almost like, really it is actually the essential heroes gamos relationship with is you and your body you're at one you're working together it's very respectful it's very holy um it's very satisfying you're also not going to run too much energy you know because there are a lot of people who get in awaken and things come too much too fast and that will fry your circuits. And that's very common I see in like the self-help and the, and the energy healing world. Sometimes we'll, we'll like, we'll get rid of all this stuff and someone will clear it out for you. And then you realize, well, actually I created that buffer. So I didn't fry all these circuits because I haven't learned how to function <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and do this yet. And so you'll see people fry their circuits. Uh, they've opened up too many doors that they didn't know. Um, a lot of um, medicines will do this. It'll open up doors they didn't have the skill to open yet, uh, for a reason, and and then they don't know how to shut it, or you know the hinges right. got blown off because it was open so forcefully. Like you so must yeah, be that, this tall to ride this ride. Yeah, yeah, it does get yeah. to that point. So yeah, yeah and that that embodiment so beautiful and crucial. And I think that's where the silica comes in, because so that that upgrades your circuits. Yeah. So that you're not, you know, plugging a you know five thousand watt thing into a circuit that's only geared for fifteen hundred. But you take your <laughs> silica, you're you're kind of upgrading your circuitry where you can handle more of that. Yes. So yeah, that makes yeah. that makes total sense. So after and when I mean, you're go ahead when you're embodied you'll you know when you're embodied you'll come across this information that you need uh, if you need to be running more energy you'll find you'll find things that will help you run more energy if you're running the perfect amount great <laughs> yeah but you'll you'll feel good while you're doing it so um you've taken you've taken a lot of um training and certifications and various types of of energy work and healing work. So um, at what point did you decide to go into coaching? I went into coaching after experiencing how tremendously supportive it was um, when I I did some of And for me, it was doing some of the sexuality healing. And I my the tumor I had had in my breast immediately started shrinking where I'd, I'd tried every type of supplement. I tried everything I'd done for my clients where things had cleared up immediately. I've tried working with all the greatest healers. I even went to them in person and nothing was touching this until I started integrating traumatic experiences and really owning all of the power uh, that is our sexual energy, which is also our life force energy. 
And so experiencing coaching, I had always just thought energy work was, was the, the key for everything. And yeah, I found out that the, the supportive role I could play as a coach and a guide helped people step into their power actually faster because there was no backtracking and more fully. And it gave them more confidence because they knew who was doing the work. <laughs> uh-huh. They felt every step of it. And, well, and, and, you know, that just makes people more sovereign, which I know you'd asked about before. And mm-hmm. that being your own sovereign is just where it's at. I was the youngest of five kids. So plus my two parents, you know, I had six overlords growing up. <laughs> and I'm all about, I'm all about being sovereign. And it's, you know, more than just not being told what to do by other people, but it's actually taking responsibility for your life. It's dissolving our attachment to the drama triangle of, of either being a victim or being the perpetrator or being the savior or rescuer. We just, we dissolve any need to play those superiority and inferiority games and we we just fully grow up. Like we can wake up, but then we need to grow up and really recognize that we're capable to wield our own power and we're able to do so responsibly and constructively. I once read um, by Carolyn Elliott, but she said that the, the key to shadow work is something to the effect of going through it and no one dying in the process, you, know, you or anyone else. Because when we open up to our power, when we open up to anger that we've suppressed for decades, like it's a lot. And that's, again, one of the reasons I really love the emotional alchemy process I teach people is because we learn how to titrate these feelings that we've suppressed for decades. So that when it's kind of like a door opens in an auditorium where everyone's been stashed in there for decades in the dark and all of a sudden there's light, <laughs> there's air, we're storming the exit. And so it's learning how to just, you know, titrate, let things happen slowly in a manner that we feel capable and soothed and settled while we process it. So we're not re-traumatizing ourselves while we heal, which I see a lot of, I see a lot of in energy work. I see a lot of in coaching and, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot from people who have triggered me, but I also would never do that <laughs> consciously to anyone. And I doubt people are consciously trying to, but there's a way to experience processing all our emotions and experiencing our embodiment and our integration process and getting to our full sovereignty where we're not going to hurt ourselves or anyone else in the process. And it's going to, it can be a pleasurable journey. Do you think, excuse me, um, do you think people can actually get addicted to um, stress and and emotional drama? Oh, yeah. They can get sucked in. We do all the time. Yeah, our our bodies are really good. It's really wise on our body because if stress, cortisol, or, again, like every emotion is just a frequency, but if that's the predominant frequency, uh, it's, made, uh, it's made by proteins, and those are the cell signals passed throughout our body. And so then our body will, like, okay, this is the predominant food. I'll create more receptors for that particular frequency. And so that's what we're used to taking. So when we don't run those energies, we kind of starve 
for a bit. And yeah, there's a withdrawal and an addiction um, response until we learn how to make new receptors and start allowing the new frequencies to become the desired food, (laughs) the desired fuel. So arguing with someone, you can get addicted to that? Oh, definitely. And um, it makes us feel good because then there's some someone else out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost as if we can feel like we're the only being in the universe. I think because one time we all were, right? But right, as if there's a push-pull dynamic, it can be soothing. It can be act, inter- interactive. It can actually be a way that we co-regulate ourselves. Now, you can also co-regulate by playing catch or by... <laughs> You know, pressing, um, pressing on someone. You know, just touch can be co-regulating. But there, yeah, I've I've witnessed people do it uh, verbally with with contention and provoking being their preferred style of interaction, and that's where they are, and that's soothing to them. And it's not my choice <laughs> of soothing, but like yeah. I I honor and respect where people are. But, yeah, it, it's definitely something that um, becomes a default. Or can so be. With, the, with the work and the coaching that you do, you can kind of um, rehabilitate that addiction? You know what's so great about uh, the work that we do? When we, when we turn in and learn how to resource everything we need from within ourselves, and we learn that we've actually had our, all this power all along, and we really tap in to, you know, our full divinity, um, the full intelligence. So even our body has such a divine intelligence that we learn how to release the addictions to what we're, we're not liking. And we also dissolve the allergies that we have to the things that we do want. Because if we were completely aligned with everything we wanted, we would have it. And so what we do in, in the work is dissolve really the, the push-pull dynamics that we have. We have, a, we have a push dynamic going on with our allergies and things that we want, and we have a pull dynamic with the addictions, the things that we're getting that we don't want. And so, yeah, it, wow. it's a pretty – to me, it's magical. I absolutely love um, getting to witness it. And I, I love experiencing the benefits of it. And um, so, so beautiful and really honoring and uplifting to me to get to facilitate that for people. Well, that's great. So how did you, um, I want to talk about the high strangeness and galactic awareness that you have um, experienced. (laughs) Talk about Uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, mine started out in the country. I mean, sure, I obviously started before then, and when I think about it and can trace other things, but in my awareness at the time and the stage I was in my life, my obvious stuff first started in my awareness when I was living in the country. And uh, I was visited by a very clearly extraterrestrial being. Um, I wasn't allowing any um, physical sight at that time because I always wanted to make sure I knew what was in the reality with everyone else <laughs> that they were seeing. Yeah. I wanted I wanted any um, expression of my clair um, my clairvoyant gifts to be like I want this only in my mind's eye. I also um, 
had a lot of trickster experiences. And so if I, if I didn't see things and just sense them, which is more clear cognizance, then I, I felt like I could read the energy better or clear without, you know, being distracted by whether something was pretty or not. So, and when that being came to me, um, it was really outside of my belief system. I was zealously religious at that point in my life, and it did not fit in the doctrines I had been taught <laughs> were the context okay. of my reality. <laughs> I'd, I'd had angelic beings, I'd had demonic beings, I'd had other dimensional beings, but this one was a very different feel and very clearly uh, extraterrestrial. And, yeah, this being, at the time, requested that, um, wanted to know if it could put a recording device on me so that everyone, and it could just broadcast and everyone could see how life was on Earth. And I was like, one, I'm not cool with having anything put in me. <laughs> yeah. But, like I said, I was very religious. And in the doctrine that I operated from at that time, I, we, I believe that I came here to Earth. Um, it was a huge gift and needed uh, to provide bodies for other souls to, to be able to come here. And that... Um, that it was very good. We needed to show them that it was a good experience. We're learning and, and it was okay. And so I, I felt like it would be a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and and this being had actually requested, no, not just done something to me. Um, so that was a little confusing to me. And I wasn't at a state of sovereignty in my life at that point where I would have just thought like, yeah, no, that doesn't sound good. I <laughs> yeah. In uh, human design... Uh, teaches people a very clear way of how they receive uh, direction and guidance within their body. You know, so it's like I didn't know how to trust my my intuitive signals. Uh, I had so much mind play going on and rationalization. Um, and then, at, again, in that mindset, um, my I was married at the time, and in my religion, only men really had the direct access to God and healing gifts and, and uh, authority. And so I asked oh for a blessing. Yeah, I asked for a blessing for some direction and guidance to deal with this particular thing. I didn't feel comfortable sharing any of the parameters of what was going on because uh, my spouse at the time wasn't real cool with all of the things I was experiencing. <laughs> a little outside of his mindset, too. So the direction he gave me uh, was to trust this being because uh, he told me Christ was overall, and um, this is not uh, to uh, negate or sully anyone's belief systems, but um, you know it was just my my mindset at the time, and um, you know Christ consciousness is a very different uh, concept to me and now than it was then, but. His go-ahead was like, you know, Christ is overall, so you're all okay. He's he's got everything tracked. So uh, I proceeded to allow that to happen, and uh, it definitely enhanced <laughs> uh, my communication and going on with other beings and realms. And I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like this is such a good idea. It was benign, uh, but... I, again, I, didn't, I don't like the thought of having anything in me. And I think if they're advanced enough, they can 
get their own show <laughs> going on. They don't even go through me. So I, you know, have since removed that. But it was quite the eye-opener to be so different and it was just so clearly extraterrestrial compared to the different feelings I'd had and, and the things I'd seen energetically. And, and that kind of started a lot off. And I started a big healing process in the country there because it, it was a safe space for me. It reminded me of, of the one safe uh, space I had in childhood. And I'd accumulated so many tools with all of the, the yogic um, and uh, energy work tools that I'd had that uh, I was just able to start doing some very profound healing processes. Um, other high strangeness stuff really, man, another country, another living in the country <laughs> time. Those really started there, and especially with uh, all of the, the Starseed shows that you guys had recorded where, you know, again, things I just blocked out. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then, like, they say, I'm like, that's happened to me. And then I would go back and look, like, was that that? I'm like, oh, it sure was. And, uh, you know, the, the dream, there's, there's a lot of dream time activity for me. And it got to the point when I was living alone in the country <laughs> that I started wearing, like, outdoor-appropriate uh, pajamas because I was so often in these big huh. gatherings and I would look down and I'm like why am I in these pajamas <laughs> <laughs> like it just got embarrassing so the, some things are changes and there's a, another big reason and uh, for for the sovereignty aspect of the work that I do that I had to I had to put a lot of parameters on uh, beings and even uh, you know how much how how the work is performed that's you know off world or more off world circumstances and so for me it started with um, and even like you know you go to the level of goddess sovereignty or like you listen <laughs> this is my life I'm in charge you're you're in tune with your higher self so you know what was your idea and what wasn't very clearly. But you, know, you, you create parameters and boundaries. And so I had to just start this just with when my, all my gifts came back online for me that, you know, I'm, I'm not doing business hours at night. I need sleep. And, and you know what? It's kind of freaky to wake up in the middle of the night and see someone on my bed. That's not allowed. You're not allowed in my room. <laughs> you know, like you'll line up here and, and just creating things. And I got to the point too, that, Later on, where I'm like, you know what? This isn't my job to deal with. I know I can see you all. I know I can communicate with you all, but this isn't my realm to deal with. And I will hold group group work sessions <laughs> where we can do right. stuff all at once if right. maybe. So it is like you know putting those boundaries in place, and even and even still, I need to put in uh, structures uh, at night because that's when I I think I make the least logical and sovereign decisions because I'm so tired. And so I know, yeah, I, I tell everyone from the get-go, I'm like, you talk to me at night, null and void. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll only discuss or be held accountable to something I fully understand and was completely lucid for. So, you know, there's, there's so much uh, benefit to being in your power, having full access to it, and being completely sovereign with it and knowing 
you know, you're not, you're not here to, you know, piece yourself off, no matter how helpful it may seem to somebody else or to you, but that you, you really are this full divine sovereign being. And we get to create win-win solutions. Uh, it's, an, an exciting thing where maybe we're used to this great item on menu and it's very fulfilling to us, but we could get together and actually create something different that may be even better. And that's how I see um, expressing our needs and desires. So many, so many, especially women are, conditioned to withhold and to suppress and to not need anything. It's considered very unfeminine to have an appetite. And if you think about, you know, the woman on a date, she's not supposed to out-eat the man or she can't have all these wants. That's just not feminine. That's been a cultural conditioning, um, a lot portrayed in the media. And then to realize, like, we, we can, these desires are in us for a reason. Our needs actually matter. So, if I put out a need, this already uh, inspires us to to have a creative project to do together. Let's find a win-win outcome that's even better than what we've experienced before, especially better than any, you know, win-lose equation that's been set up in the past. So that's, um, yeah, something, something I've learned to see. Desires and needs, uh, they get to be a way to play. They get to be a way to, you know, experience a new dance with others. And whether that's your galactic team or or whoever um, is in your life that you're working with. So um, the last thing I want to ask you about is the uh, changes that, that came after uh, December 2012 and then after... Um, the solar eclipse in 2017. I have so much fun with this when I hear Lavendar ask people this and see what's happened in people's lives, and I've started asking in my own. It's fascinating <laughs> what people were doing and what shifts occurred at these points. Um, in December 2012, I had just opened up my yoga um, my yoga studio. It was, it was an energy work um, building. It was so beautiful. So I would do energy work with people, I would do uh, the yoga and the body work, and which which oh, it was it was such a great studio, really a very healing place. And right after December, uh, I had some some really well powerful shifts with my clients. One, my clients were getting really freaked out <laughs> by how fast they shifted, <laughs> and so <laughs> I was going into some different energy work modality, modalities so that they could stay very lucid and see the step-by-step things that were going on. And then they um, weren't as freaked out by their progress and transformation. And my empathy got turned up. It's always been big, but it got turned up even more so that I had to stop doing body work because I was just, I could not stop taking on all my clients' stuff. So they, they'd come in with a decades-old injury and leave feeling amazing, walking straight for the first time, and I'd just go home hobbling. <laughs> and this was a, a huge gift for me, actually, because 
when I, what happened a little later is I had some repressed memories surface about abuse that I had not been able to deal with as a kid. And so when it came up, it came up somatically. When we experience abuse before we can talk, um, you know, it will come up emotionally and somatically through our bodies. And so I, I was experiencing things coming up. I would have thought I was crazy had I not already experienced it with all my clients. So <laughs> I was really grateful wow. <laughs> that happened for me. But with, um, with those memories unlocked for me after that, that's um, when I really devoted um, my healing into deeper energy work and, and deeper into sexuality healing. Then in 2017, I had made some big sovereign steps. And I was actually at a, I was training that day at a new job. I was actually training on the cash register system. And I couldn't obviously retain a thing because there was this huge portal in the sky. <laughs> what's going on (laughs) Uh, and then right after that um, my body my well my life my life just really shook up I uh, I was still married at the time and my direction was changing and I didn't I didn't want to Um, but I got to the point like I was very clear to me that I was supposed to complete my marriage and get out on my own and I didn't want to do that but it got to the point where I could only be in my uh, ex-husband's presence for like 20 minutes before I get completely nauseated I would leave to go throw up and then everything would go and and that happened and, and you know it stayed that way until I left but yeah really interesting things um, was, that was a huge that was a huge change in direction for me and it, as I've talked to other people about that it was actually in my astrological chart um, where my marriage would complete and uh, lavender told me in particular like that was that was the ending cycle of that life you were kept you were kept in that um, in that spot until it was time to switch directions for a reason so it was yeah, I always find those dates very interesting to look and see what happened in people's lives at those times. What opened up? Usually a lot of gifts and a lot of different things. But for yeah. me, that was a, a huge door opening into sovereignty. It was almost like I was in a cage uh, for a couple decades and the door to the cage finally opened. Like that's what 2017 Portal did for me. Well, yeah, that was like a... a kind of like uh, uh, put the final touches on the clearing which you've yeah. been working on all, all together and it's like okay uh, okay the house is clean and then you notice like oh I didn't clean under the rug <laughs> so you have to you have to go even deeper into the cracks to you know yes. to really you know really free yourself but and and that eclipse in 2017 did did that for a lot of people and I'm sure in your work, mm-hmm. you know, when you ask people those questions, um, you get a lot of, uh, like, confirmation of that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so if, if, people, if people go to your website, Nicole-Collard, C-O-L-L-A-R-D.com, you have um, uh, services available and um, 
you said it's something um if if they email you at nicole at nicolecollard.com uh, you'll send some exquisite goodies by email. <laughs> so that, I just that was in to... the event that my website wasn't working. I've just been rebuilding everything, and okay. I'm on a new platform. So I'm still working with the tech. I'm still beautifying my website, so be compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I have some exquisite, uh, what I consider very foundational practices to embody your sovereign goddessness for people. And you can sign up for that on the homepage, um, three foundational practices. The first one's about how to resource everything you need from within yourself. Because if you think about why you want something or why you want to experience this or have that or not have that in your life, there'll be a, an underlying emotion for that, whether you want to feel safe, whether you want to feel adored, whether you want to feel a greater sense of belonging or respect or trust, you know, there will be something and you can actually create that within, and then it will be projected without. So that's one of the practices you can receive by signing up uh, to receive those. And the next one is about how to really be in your own lane, because most of the star seeds I find to be so sensitive and empathic that they'll like not take up their full space, <laughs> and they won't stand um, necessarily in the center of their lives. Um, and especially when we're so sensitive, it's easy to get thrown out. So this builds your re resiliency with really being centered, taking up your full space, and um, not being subservient in your life. And then the next one is all about how to really process uh, your emotions, to take the sting out of the stories and out of the sensations and to really tune in to what they are so that you can enter in relationship with these parts of your body that you may have uh, cut off in the past or learned to be re repelled or disgusted by, but, and it allows you to come into communion, connection with them, and to really transform your experience with, you know, it could be a body part or it could be uh, even uh, just a feeling that you have somewhere. So I think those are really important and pivotal practices. Uh, they really help helps one make us feel good to get in our bodies and really sometimes being sovereign in your own life can feel like a lot of responsibility but it it really shows us how worth it it is so yeah those right, are the well, three yeah. exquisite goodies that's that's great and um and you also you do individual coaching one on one i assume uh online I do, and I also have a group okay. program, a uh, very powerful program, and that will start in June. Um, one of the things I just uh, created, which has been a decade-old dream of mine, that finally came to fruition, was putting all of my work online. So there's over a decade's worth of work, and I created a community where there's other awesome beings who are just oracles in their own right. So we can have a community and talk, and then there's access to all of those courses, uh, like the Emotional Alchemy I've mentioned, as well as some energy makeovers and energy sovereignty courses. So people really learn how to manage their energetic hygiene and learn how to wield you know, all their gifts. So I'm, I'm so excited that's there. One of the things, um, as, you know, as a compassionate being, sometimes when I'm 
in a coaching process with clients, I want to just give more. <laughs> and also, like, I can't give enough. I want to just provide so much value. And now that this is online, this community is, is open, I'm like, I can. Now it's all there. Yay. So I yeah. feel like I'm able to serve people at such a profound level. And um, it's at uh, such an easy price point. Uh, $27 I have for all the, the beta testers going in until I reach 100 people in the community. So it's really, really affordable and a huge value. I'm just so grateful I'm able to offer this to everyone. Well, that is great, Nicole. And we really, really appreciate your 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 work and spending your time with us tonight. Um, and once again, I just want to say that your website is nicole-collard.com. And take some time. Um, and I did. I I was able to access your site today, so uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of goodies on there. So we encourage people to take a look and check it out. So I want to thank you, thank you for sharing your your time, energy, wisdom, and experiences with us tonight. And hopefully, we'll see you at another Starseed Quest at some point in the future. Thank you, Ariel, and likewise. Okay, you take care, sweetie. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, um, we are going to wrap it up now, and I want to thank you all for listening. We'll be back uh, two weeks from tonight. And just remember to hold that compassion and live with gratitude. Until next time, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.